Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bienvenidos, señoras and señores, to the Bleed Lows Podcast. This week, uh, this week's episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether it's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us this week on the Carnesadas, on the Carnesada is Arcanal from Massapequa, the host of Unfiltered with Casey Stern. <laughs> Casey Stern, ¿cómo estás, amigo? Ah, uh, bien, ¿y tú? Bien. Muy, muy bien. So let's get right into it. Uh, the winter meetings, Casey. Uh, at the beginning of these winter meetings, all indicators had said that Justin Verlander, the Dodgers were going to sign Justin Verlander. And then the Rangers go out go out there and sign Jacob DeGrom, and then madness ensues. Next thing we know, the Mets signed Justin Verlander. Now, it seemed to everyone that the Dodgers' greatest need was starting pitching. So now you lose Verlander. Yes, they re-signed Kershaw, but now they have a starting rotation of Kershaw, Dustin May, Julio Urias, and then a bunch of question marks. So, Casey... Who is still out there on the market right now? Who could help the Dodgers? Do you see the Dodgers signing any of those guys? Well, you know, first of all, Carlos Rodon is is absolutely the guy right now. And you've got, similarly to Verlander, where, as you, you mentioned, the apple cart, if you will, upset in the Verlander to the Dodgers world with what happened because DeGrom goes back to the Mets, and maybe the Dodgers don't have to worry about Texas, let's say, right in a Verlander scenario. They certainly would not have. So then it's between Houston and L.A., and Verlander might not have had a third party or musical chair to play with. In this situation now with Rodon, you're dealing with the Yankees being heavily involved. You're dealing with the Mets being involved. You're dealing with some some high rollers. The Cubs, certainly, who are spending a lot of money and looking to do so. Already adding Bellinger, obviously, as part of that. I think when you look at the situation now for the Dodgers, I'm with you. And, and look, this is no disrespect at all to Clayton Kershaw, but Clayton, a future Hall of Famer and a no-doubter at his age, it's good money for what you're getting. It's not a long term, but is he a guy who's going to be a third or fourth starter who gives you 20, 25 starts who you have to nurse and watch the innings? Probably kind of about that range. So without Walker Bueller, who's seemingly irreplaceable, a guy like a Carlos Rodon certainly replaces a lot of those numbers. The problem with Rodon, he's looking for six or seven years. And for the Los Angeles Dodgers, that may be something certainly they can afford, but may not be something that they want to afford and put on the books at near, let's say, $30 million a year over that kind of a term. That's the problem with an issue like a guy like a Rodon. And again, we're, we're speaking with Casey Stern. You can listen to Unfiltered with Casey Stern on the Believe Network. Now, we are a Dodgers show. We're, we're about the Dodgers. So you had posted on Believe the top 10 starters in Major League Baseball. 
Now, everyone knows we are a, a, a Dodger, you know, podcast. So I'm going to segue to my partner, Babyface, here. Babyface, I think you took umbrage with, with Casey's list, right? So let, let me hand it over to you. So, yeah, so I was looking at that list that Casey put out. And, you know, you have all your usual suspects on that list, right, your top ten list. But you have one Julio Urias at, what was he at, number eight? Yeah. Right. Was that, that correct? Yeah. Number eight. So we we're big fans, supporters of Julio. You know, we we think he's probably been one of I'd say top three best pitchers in the league probably since 2020. Um, you know, most wins last season, best ERA this season. So to see him number eight, I think it falls in line with what I've called I've called a disrespect to Julio across the league. You know, especially this year coming in third in the Cy Young. There were votes for him fourth and fifth on ballots and some people that even left them off the ballot. Why do you have him at number eight is my question. Well, the first thing I would say is we're not talking about quarterbacks. So it's not he's eight of 32. We're talking about in a rotation. If you look at 30 teams time five, I don't have a TI-82 calculator, but it's 150 pitchers who will be in a rotation next year. And I have him as the eighth best guy. That's pretty darn good. That's number one. So let's be fair. It wasn't like I left him off the list or had him at 25. He's at eight. The other thing is when you put together a list like this, there's there's no certainty in any way that you slice it. And I'll give you an example. Okay, so how do you do it? Well, Jacob deGrom, to me, it's when healthy. I could have easily said, hey, maybe let's not even put deGrom in the top 10 because the guy rarely ever pitches. But when he pitches every five days, he's a better pitcher than Julio Urias and the six other guys who are ahead of him. So I put deGrom as number one. I think coming off of last year, you have to give the Cy Young credo and the credit to Alcantara, who certainly won it, and to Verlander. So, you know, Ric Flair once said, to be the man, you got to beat the man. <laughs> so I put those guys at two and three. So are we okay so far going to number four? You, you know, is that fair, at least, the way I looked at it? You have any problem with DeGrom, Alcantara, Verlander, the two Cy Youngs as the top three? I might have a little problem with DeGrom just because he said of when healthy and he hasn't been healthy. Sure. No, fair enough, fair enough. But you understand where I'm coming from with that. I mean, obviously, yeah. I get the debate, but, you know, he's Jacob deGrom, right? I, look, I, we're in a med head. I just lost the guy. I, I would have liked to lose him from the top ten, but it is what it is. Uh, you get into the next group, I think they're all very similar. Alec Manoa, and I don't have it in front of me, but Manoa, Shohei Otani, Max Scherzer, the names that I had in that mix. I think I had Dylan Cease right behind him. Look, Christian Javier, who I had at ten, a lot of people did not put in their top 20. But based on the way he ended last season, to me, he looks like a Cy Young candidate now perennially moving forward for the Astros. So I upped him. If you want to tell me that you think Julio Arias is a better pitcher than Alec Manoa, you could certainly make that argument and have it. But to me, I do believe that coming off of last year, I think Manoa is a guy who still is rising. And I don't know necessarily, and this is a credit to Julio Arias, that we're going to get better than what we've seen of him. But I do agree. He is one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I have him, to me, just outside of the best rotation. If you made five, right, he just outside of that. Not so terrible. Not like Julio Arias and his family care what the hell I think anyway. But I do, I do like the guy. I have him at number eight. 
These lists crack me up because the yeah, they're hard is, to do. I mean, they asked me to do it, and they, look, they sent me just quickly. They sent me an email. They're like, "Hey, you do a top ten list for the top, you know, believed in the top ten pitchers." And it's like you know, you sit there and you moan and groan to yourself in the middle of the night because you're like, "Ah, oh, expletive!" Like you just know, no matter what the hell you do, it's the wrong list. I, I love Urias, but I do believe that right now Max Scherzer, for example, a guy I had ahead of him. I know Dodger fans not fans of Max Scherzer, <laughs> but Max Scherzer to me, when he's healthy and pitches right. Right, is still a guy who's capable of being a better pitcher by a little smidgen than Julio Urias. You, you see, but you're, but you're saying when and if, not what. Well, we it was a lot of last year, year, Roger. I mean, look, Scherzer but was healthy. Last, last year, Scherzer was not Scherzer last year. I, oh, hey, look, and I he, watch Scherzer every five days. You go back and look at the numbers, Roger, and I like you. But go back and look at the numbers. <laughs> Scherzer, for most of the season, until that oblique injury hit him late in the year, had pitched every five days and was pitching at like an, an ERA clip of around two and was sitting there ahead of most of the guys, including Urias. Then he had the oblique issue, came back and didn't pitch as well. Now, to your point, that should be in total part of it. But right now, going into a year, do we expect both healthy? We do. So at the both healthy standpoint, I put Scherzer a bit ahead of him. Not that you have to agree with that. And I still do like fair, it. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> I, the reason why, and, and you bring up a very good point, Casey. The reason why, and I finally have come to terms with this, because I was a guy who would always argue these lists, is I don't see those guys every day. I see Julio Urias every day. Sure. And sure. I can sit there and tell you that the Dodgers baby him. The Dodgers limit the amount of innings they, that he can throw. They, they're on pitch counts. I can say that because I see it, but I don't see Scherzer every, every five days like you do. I don't see Alec Manoa. I don't see those guys. But I want to segue to this. And by the way, I love the Ric Flair reference. I just want to let you know, though, that we are a Macho Man Randy Savage podcast. Oh, I love, hey, I'll step into this. a Slim Jim with you anytime, by the hey, way. Hey, the sour fell too sweet to be sour. I know how to get cheap pops on this show when I come on. So that's no problem. <laughs> so I want to segue because Dodger fan is having a meltdown. And I know you can relate to this because I'm sure Mets fan had a meltdown when DeGrom was gone. Oh, sure. But out here, Dodger fan is convinced that Dodgers are having a clearance sale because everybody's leaving and they haven't signed anybody yet. But I found it really interesting was the Trey Turner situation because nobody out here thought the Dodgers were going to re-sign Trey Turner. Everybody was just convinced Trey Turner's gone. He wants to play on the East Coast. What I find very surprising is if this is real, and that's the other thing that I hate about this time of year, these numbers that are being reported, and I'm just like, how do I know this is really? But what the show pods offer Trey Turner and what Trey Turner turned down to go to the Phillies, and then you're hearing what the show pods offered Arson Judge, and I know you you, you like Arson Judge, uh, Casey, <laughs> I mean, the show pods, to me, I think this is good for baseball. I know Dodger fan probably doesn't want to hear this, but the show pods coming out there and throwing money around, I, I, I think is good. Do you think this is sustainable, what the show pods are doing? Because they got a lot of big names down there. Well, look, to me, I think it's it, it. if you're a Padre fan, the ones, and I know there aren't many listening to this show or watching it, but I get it. <laughs> Um, if you're a Padre fan, you want saving grace for losing out on Judge and losing out on Trey Turner and whoever else may follow that is you're showing you've got the money to keep Soto long term. 
you're showing, and that is, to me, you don't bring Soto in if you don't think that after those two and a half years, now two remaining guys, that you're going to go, you got to lock him up before he gets the free agency, right? Which is not going to be easy to do. You get Scott Boris there also. They're showing they have the kind of money to do that. I also think it shows that people need to understand the Padres need to do things that the Dodgers don't need to do. The Dodgers, if they give even money to a player, outside of Trey Turner, who I do believe in this case we had actually, using the arson thing, smoke and fire, he wanted to go to the East Coast. Similarly, by the way, to Freddie Freeman, who once the Braves let him loose and let him speed date, wanted to come back home and go out west. Similarly to why Aaron Judge needed the Yankees to match 360, because otherwise he could have, to the Giants or the Padres, nine or ten years respectively, gone out west. But the Dodgers don't have to overpay somebody. If they pay an equal top dollar, why wouldn't I, outside of my whole family's in Philly or whatever, right? His wife, Turner, I think, from Jersey. Why wouldn't I go to L.A.? The Padres have to overpay. The Padres have to give the extra $40 million. They have to give an extra year because I know when I signed to play for the Padres, I got no idea how I'm beating the Dodgers. You don't have that problem when you go to the Yankees because with no disrespect to the Rays or the Jays, the Yankees with Aaron Judge are the best team in the division. Trey Turner even going to the Philadelphia Phillies once Harper is there knows that's a team that just made it to the World Series and already proved it. And the Mets and the Braves are not the Los Angeles Dodgers who are a consistent machine who just won a record number of games for the franchise. So I think if you're a Dodger fan, just going back to what you are saying at the beginning, and look, I've lived this and I get it. And my whole family outside of me are Yankee fans, and they've always been greedy. They say in Wall Street, greed is good. If you're a Yankee fan, greed is paramount. But Dodger fans need to realize there aren't many teams, there's only one, that went and got Mookie Betts and then paid and kept Mookie Betts. There's only one team that Freddie Freeman would have left the Braves for, who paid Freddie Freeman enough to take him from the Braves, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. A third year in a row not pulling a top guy of that ilk, right? And how many are in that ilk? Those are two of probably the best six or seven offensive and all-around players in the sport, certainly in the National League, top couple, right? The Dodgers not doing that doesn't make them bad, but they do need to replenish the rotation. They do need to figure out the bullpen to not get into the issues they got in last year, and they need to replace the law firm of Turner and Turner should both need to be replaced and figure that out as well. You know, I... I got to ask you about these these contracts. I mean, Judge got nine years. And look, the Dodgers have one of those contracts. Mookie's got a 12-year contract. Like, to me, those contracts, the length of the contracts make me very, very nervous. Right, I, I think Sports Track put out a list this morning, actually, of the, the biggest spenders so far in Major League Baseball in terms of payroll. And your Metropolitans are on the top of the list. And the Dodgers are 10. So there is this belief. I mean, so far they've only spent twenty million on Kershaw. We haven't seen them, and it's they're not done yet. But if that if it stays like that, there's this certain belief that they're saving their money for a guy who had you had on your top ten list of pitchers, Shohei Otani. Sure, that makes me a little nervous that you're saving all this money because what if Otani changes his mind? And does the crazy thing and resigns that won't the happen. Age, the I mean, age. I hate saying that. And I don't think that'll. Ha- I don't think that will happen. But your point is well stated, and I think Juan, when you look at it, give an example. The Yankees, if they didn't get Aaron Judge back, what do you think they were going to do for the next year? Basically, plan to throw what half a billion dollars or whatever is necessary at Shohei Otani, right? Yeah. If the Mets lose to Grom, they don't get Verlander to replace him. What are they going to do? And the Mets, I think, with Steve Cohen, to me, and I've said this and I will stick with this, Shohei Otani next year will play for the Yankees, 
the Mets or the Dodgers. I'm convinced of that. I still believe that. After Aaron Judge, I still believe that. Even though I agree with you that the Dodgers will make moves this year and not wait for him, I still believe that. Even though the Mets got Verlander and may now pay Nimos too and pay Diaz, I still believe because the amount of money he makes you off the field and the things he brings to your franchise from a business perspective are so obscene versus anybody else in this sport for a million reasons, right? Including the background and the backdrop, East Coast or the West Coast, what you can get. I do think that the Dodgers will be in play, but they're not going to wait for him. And look, if you told me the Dodgers signed Carlos Correa, are you going to be shocked? I wouldn't be surprised. They're saying the right things. Yeah, Gavin Lux could play short. Yeah, he came up as a shortstop. Doesn't mean they can't sign Carlos Correa. Doesn't mean Dansby Swanson, who's not Trey Turner, but pretty darn good. They can't go outbid the Cubs for Dansby Swanson. It doesn't mean that they can't go use trades because the Dodgers system is also very good and go take on a contract. The Dodgers are in a, in a spot, let's keep in mind right now, they don't have anybody better than them in the National League West for sure and possibly in the National League on paper, even though they didn't win the World Series. And that's as constituted. Imagine how good you have to be to say that after losing Turner, not having Bueller, right? And perhaps losing Justin Turner and all these things, they're still that good. Their desire's there, but their desperation just doesn't need to be. And I think Dodger fans need to understand it's a compliment to you. You're that damn good. You don't need to go ahead and do a ton. You just need to fill spots. And at the trade deadline, what if Shane Bieber becomes available? who very well might, right, if the Gardens don't pitch well. That's just one example. And then Otani, what if he gets traded at the deadline as a rental slash, like a bets, bring him over and then sell him and sign him? The Dodgers will be in play. They do not need to have a perfect roster going into opening day. They already have the best team in the West. Casey, put your GM hat on. In terms of Cody Bellinger, Yeah, you had to not tender him, yes. right? I mean, yes. there's – now – that being said, him, if he really did have offers for multiple years as a player, do you really turn it down after, look, you haven't been good for two and a half years. Let's be honest. It's been two and a half years that you have not been that MVP. Well, look, I I've seen it be successful and we've seen it not. We're in a situation right now where Aaron Judge has bet on himself and made $150 million. Right. So a different scenario. But, you know, he turned down 215 million for and being in the face of the Yankees and all the money that makes you off the field. Right. And to go ahead and net 150 game at smaller situations. Let's go back in the past. Dexter Fowler had to show up once at Cubs fan camp and like beg for a job late in spring training for a one year and added a three or four year deal. Nelson Cruz, after everybody, the Orioles didn't sign him and they said, well, I don't know. He's too old. This is how many years ago? I mean, he's now like 800 years old, but he ends up signing a prorated deal in season with Seattle for one year at eight million and then gets a three, four year deal. They bet on themselves because the multi-year deal he probably got was I mean it could I don't know what it, it could have been two for twenty and a situation where hey look what if next year if he really believes hey look in a better I I got this still then he's stuck at ten million dollars probably gets traded playing for two teams and if an injury comes within there the rest the rest of it's gone at his age feeling like he's in his prime the defender we all know he is everybody watching and the three of us the versatility we all know he has which brings a lot of value. Even if he hits 230, gets on base, you know, at a 310, 320 pace, if he can come back, show that defensive versatility, play well in center field, go hit 30, 35 home runs, 
at that pace, you're going out in the market and making three for 50 or something of that sort. Think about the difference. That's $30 million off of one not that great season. All he has to do is have one not even that great season and still because of the defense and all the things he brings, he's going to make a lot more money. Will it work? I'm not sure. But I'm just trying to explain to you. That's the, the mindset and the psyche of it. Man, the days of 250 being embarrassing are long gone now. Oh, gosh. The, like the A-Rod deal way back when? <laughs> My God, are you kidding? Remember, we used to complain like Gary Matthews Jr. got like $50 million, and everybody was like, oh, my God, that's the worst deal ever. Now you eat $50 million contracts on almost every team in baseball. There's somebody like in a bullpen making 35 mil. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that guy. For example, what was David Price making last year, and what was he doing for the team? Many of those contracts that are out there now, even for the great teams. So tell me, is there any truth to the Metropolitans pursuing Justin Turner? None of them are pursuing him. I, I think, look, that's a, the media talks about, hey, wouldn't it be a nice story? And then Justin Turner came out and said, and made a comment, because look, he had to keep his options open, and certainly he's not stupid. The Mets can win, and what if the Dodgers don't want him? Hey, I'd be open to that, right? That's all that happened. Do I think it's possible Justin Turner became a Met? I'm not sure necessarily what the fit is because the problem is when you look at the Mets as a roster without going too deep into it, they've got a kid in Francisco Alvarez is the best prospect in baseball. He's a right-handed hitter, and he's not ready to catch more than probably 35, 40 games and to learn from Tomas Nito this year. A guy was a gold glove candidate a year ago. That means he's going to be your DH every day. So what's Justin Turner doing? He's not playing first base for Pete Alonso, right? So when Pete DHs, Alvarez behind the plate as a backup, let's say, Turner, okay, what? You're not paying him to just do that. And then at third base, they've got another year of Eduardo Escobar, a Jeff McNeil who can move over there and play, and a Beatty, a kid who's 22, who they really liked, who, remember, got hurt after he hit a home run in, like, his first at-bat when he got called up. I don't think there's a match there. I will say that for the Philadelphia Phillies and rejoining the other Turner I think you could tell a story where they may be some at-bats there. Bryce Harper is going to miss half the year. He's going to come back and probably just DH, but Reese Hoskins is going to be your DH, that means, until Harper gets there. You guarantee almost at least half of probably the one-year deal Turner signs that he plays first base. Then the other half, he could sit there and maybe play third for a day, DH for a day, bounce him around. I wouldn't, and this is just my own thinking, I wouldn't put out to pasture the idea that maybe the Phillies and a guy like Bryce Harper, who obviously values what Justin Turner can bring, a guy certainly in Trey Turner who knows him, a Philly team that wants to add winning, I think the Phillies are more dangerous for Justin Turner than the Mets are. Wow. Uh, a couple more things before we let you go, uh, sure. Casey. Uh, Dave Roberts spoke at the winter meetings, and he made a comment about that the Padres, the show pods were much more intense and that there's this belief that the the Dodgers just didn't have the intensity in the playoffs. They have a business-like um, attitude towards it. To me, look, I, I, Dave Roberts was a finalist, which surprised me for manager of the year. And sometimes I feel managers get too much blame and then they get too much credit. But does that not sound bad? Because isn't that the manager's job to have your team prepared for a playoff and to I, sit there and say, hey, your team wasn't up for it? Well, I, I look, I, I love Doc and I know him. I did not see that comment. So I, I don't want to. And I'm, I'm not shy about saying anything, but I didn't see it. So mm -hmm. I, I don't want to. I'm not saying you're taking it out of context, but I, I don't. 
I don't know exactly what he was saying, but I find it hard to believe that anybody that is on a team that wins that many games, that are the professionals making the money that most of the Dodgers are making because the payroll is still pretty high, need to be motivated. I need people to understand that you could be working in a bank, and there's nothing wrong with that, for a million years, and you still, if you're successful at that very job going in as a teller, are motivated every day to go in as a teller. How much do you think you need to really motivate somebody who gets to play on the grandest stage at Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine and put on that jersey and play for the Dodgers? I'm sure they were motivated. When your day or my day are not going good, we don't look good. When a team is not playing well, they don't look well. They don't look motivated. It's not because they're not motivated. They're just humans reacting to what things that we all react to. So I'm not a huge buyer into guys don't get motivated. You need to motivate college basketball teams sometimes late in the season because they're kids. The Los Angeles Dodgers don't need motivation. They need more pitching health and pitching depth. And to me, that's what bit him at the end, not motivation. The context of that is he was asked, do the Dodgers have a postseason issue? And that's because I, I did see that. I, did, I saw that he was asked that. I, what did he say? I didn't see that. So that was he doesn't believe that they do. Yeah. And he had referenced the fact that the Padres just showed more intensity. And look, Babyface says this every time the Dodgers play the show pods. The show pods are so amped when they're playing the Dodgers that that comes off as, oh, they want it more. I don't subscribe to that because of everything that you just said. You still have to play the game. There are so many times that I desperately want to win. And guess what? I just don't have the talent. And I'm not going to beat this guy no matter how bad I want to beat them. So that was the context. We've spoken to other people about it. I, I think there's growing frustration with this Dodgers fan base that they only have one World Series out of 10 playoff appearances. That's why you're getting this anxiety of, we haven't signed anybody. Why didn't we, you know, it's one of those things that no matter how many former players we ask, there's no real explanation as to why teams lose. People, it's just, it seems like it's, it's random. It's just random. Well, I think they all have different stories. To me, and I was there for all of them except, you know, the last time that they were in the World Series, but there are other appearances. The, the Dave Roberts and the Doc scenario with you, Darvish, where he had no urgency and allowed that lead to get to, I think it was 5 nothing, yeah. And before Clayton Kershaw came in, who could have pitched and then threw four brilliant innings, it's as good of a postseason outing as he's ever had. That is the one time to me that I attributed Dave Roberts to something that went negative that was a direct correlation. The Rich Hill scenario when he came off the mound, don't know when it was. Do I think that he put Kike Hernandez in the three spot against David Price a day after Bellinger had hit him in relief? No, I think the organization told him to do that, and it was the wrong choice. I don't think if this is the kind of organization where it's autonomous in the decisions that Doc makes, and I think that that's something specifically with the Dodgers you have to take into account. Of the 30 teams, if there was a power ranking of which team do I think the manager has to collaborate most in big spots, it would be 1 through 10 would be the Dodgers before I even got to an 11, the second team. So I think people need to take into account these are organizational losses and mistakes. I don't think it's just on Dave Roberts. And that's not a cop-out. It's just that this team won how many games? What, 108, 110 games? The San Diego Padres might have been hungrier than they were because they'd never been there before. But that's human nature. I don't know if that's what Doc was saying. That's not the Dodgers weren't ready. Go ask Mookie Betts if he was ready to play. Go ask Freddie Freeman if he was ready to play. And go ask them, no disrespect to Dave Roberts, whether or not it matters or they give a crap, what or what Doc didn't say before the game. They're out there to win. Dodgers are a winning team. That's how you consistently win to that level. And they should be credited for that. 
Is there any other GM in Major League Baseball that does not allow anyone to, to, to dictate terms to them? It seems like Friedman doesn't panic. It, it, like seeing Verlander sign, you would think, yes, Carlos, we got to sign Carlos Rodon no matter what. But you know, he doesn't subscribe to giving that guy six years. He built a team that consistently had to win on pennies. And when you do that, from which he came with Tampa Bay, and then you then take that grateful nature of understanding the dollar and how it could be used in this sport, no matter how many dollars you have, you're never going to feel like you need to spend them all. You're never going to feel what the Steinbrenners and Brian Cashman feel. You're never going to feel what it feels like to be in an organization like the Lakers or wherever else you want to go, because for Andrew Friedman specifically, he had to build a team that was the antithesis of that and knows that it works and got that team to a World Series and almost won it against the Phillies, right? When that's the case, I think that because of that one, his mindset is never going to be panicking because he knows that the Dodgers can always fix it. If the Dodgers were to go into the season as constituted right now with no roster changes, you lost both turners. I don't know what's in the rotation. Think about what you said. Yeah, I don't know what's in it either, but look at the names they have. The names they have are still pretty darn good, led by Julio Arias, who should be, whether it's four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> somewhere in the best pitchers in the game, right? And yeah. Dustin May, who's got a ridiculous arm. Their system is still good. Who could have a Lux to replace a Turner? No one else would have something like that. Who has a Betts and a Freeman who they could still go behind and say that's as good a one-two punch in the league, and they could figure it out at the trade deadline and still be good enough. I think the Dodgers, to me, are run by a guy who runs them like they're not with the Dodger expectations, and maybe that upsets Dodger fans, and I think that's fair. I think it's fair. Maybe you feel like, hey, look, you better start running this thing now like you're in Dodger land. You got That's a fair statement, but if you're asking why he doesn't do it, I think that's why he doesn't do it because that's not what he comes from. So a last one for me, and it might have tied into what you just said. I'm going to bring up somebody that everybody hates that I talk about, and that's Trevor Bauer, because they might change his. He might not be suspended this year, and they they might go back and revisit the suspension. And if that's the case, the Dodgers are on the hook for sixty million dollars, and we keep hearing all this stuff about the luxury tax. So as a GM. When you're trying to build this team together, is that in the back of your head? Because that decision on Bauer may come in a week. It may come in a month. I mean, the fact that you're going to have maybe $60 million coming out of your pocket, and the whole thing is you keep hearing this, whether this is true or not, that they're trying to reset the luxury tax. How much is that true, or is that just something we have paranoia about? Well, look, I think we have paranoia about it because of how many times we hear the luxury tax brought up. At the same time, going back to bad contracts sitting there in your club, if you're a good club, if you have the kind of money the Los Angeles Dodgers have, how much do you really think to a certain extent they care about a luxury tax? They care about winning. And if you think that something is worth it to go over, that is where the question lies. Because what happens is when you win and consistently get to postseasons, that's how you're making dollars after the year. And then the next year that follows, which is where after a championship everybody makes them so for me I, I don't know how much the luxury tax plays in i do think though it is a factor and i think it's more a factor for the owners than it's the gm i mean people need to realize and i know you do but for those watching the people who tweet all the time from any fan base about well my gm this 
give you an example. You know, I live in Atlanta. Alex Anthopoulos, when he came here, was just doing one-year deals. He went out and brought Josh Donaldson back, who he knew in Toronto. He had Drew Smiley. All these guys were one-year contracts. And people were saying, well, Alex Anthopoulos doesn't care. And look, he had been through the Dodgers, right, phenomena. After Inter, he's a brilliant guy. Now, fast forward, he's he's the best GM again in baseball, and everybody loves the guy. It's the owner who wasn't letting him go out there. You can't give Dale Earnhardt Jr. a 1996 Toyota Camry or a Dodge Neon and say go out there and go win Daytona tomorrow or whatever. He can't do that. It comes down to what the owners allow, and I do think for the owners in their pockets, absolutely the power situation is something that's in play and has to be in the back of their mind. has to be. See, this is the reason why I love having outsiders, so to speak, on this show, because we get all worried up in a tizzy. The Dodgers aren't doing this. And then we get to see someone outside of California tell us, this is what I see with your team. You guys are ridiculous in terms of your panicking. Now, if I came up to you and told you, hey, the Metropolitans are going to be fine. Would you believe me, Casey? Oh, uh, right now. I mean, when the, when the second after they lost their look, I, I, I think. The answer is, yeah, because they have a lot of talent and can win. The question is, there's a difference between can a team win the World Series or are they going to win? You know, if the Phillies had the Bryce Harper injury and don't bring in Trey Turner, you think with Nola and Wheeler and all they have that they're going to go and be an under 500? They're not. They're going to be a good enough team till Harper gets back and probably get back to the playoffs anyway. If you are built with depth and you have enough talent, you're going to be okay. There's nothing that tells me the Dodgers aren't the best team in the division still. Judge did not end up on the Padres, and Trey Turner did not end up on the Padres, so that didn't cut that gap at all, right? We don't even know what version of Soto we're getting with San Diego. Josh Bell, even though he wasn't good, they needed, and now he's gone. There's enough questions about San Diego. The Giants are nowhere near close. Arizona is nice, but you backpat them if you're a Dodger fan. That division has not changed. As long as that's the case, you've got really till the trade deadline honestly, to worry about a World Series with the roster that you have. That's from the outside looking in. Now, if I were you, would I still want Carlos Rodon? You're damn right. If we have the money, why not? Can we go a seventh year? Absolutely. If he only pitches five great years, do I care in year six and seven? No. The Dodgers have made many deals where they didn't care. Look, what again, what David Price just had in the books a year ago. If that's what it becomes with Rodon in six and seven in those two years, nobody cares. Would I want him? Absolutely. So I think you can be greedy, and I think you could be gung-ho and have desire, but I don't think it should be panic. And I think there's a difference between the two. There you go. Our Cardinal from Massapequa. Casey, sí. thank you so much uh, for gracias. coming on. We appreciate it. Make sure you guys check out Unfiltered with Casey Stern. You can listen to it on the Believe Podcast Network. And once again, a big thank you to uh, Casey Stern from uh, Unfiltered for, for joining us there. Casey, bring in the heat. I, look, I, I got to tell you, Babyface, uh, it's really interesting. I, I, I wasn't lying. It's really interesting to me when I when we bring in outsiders and their perspective, like for him to sit there and say that the Dodgers are still the best team in the division, I, I don't know. After so far these winter meetings, I, I wasn't getting that vibe. What were you getting? I mean – it's hard for me to say that the Dodgers are the best team in the division right now. I mean, they're still, I'm not saying, you know, they're the worst team, right? They're, they're still up there, but you know what the Padres got, right? And the Padres are still, they're trying to throw money around, right? They missed out on Turner. They missed out on Judge. You still got Bogarts out there. You got Correa out there. Are they willing to throw money at one of those guys? And if they land one of those guys, like, to me, I don't, 
the Dodgers can still, you know, you know, sign Dodgers can sign anybody they want, right? But to me, right now, I don't feel that they're looking for that long-term commitment with a guy that's going to be six, seven years, eight years. So the West to me has changed. You know, with Judge not going to the Giants, if Judge goes to the Giants now, now it's it got a re- would have really got dicey in the NL West, right? You would have it could have been Dodgers, Padres, Giants, right? But I still think it's Dodgers, Padres. But winning the West is right now it's not a given to me. It's not a given. So let me ask you this. The starting pitching, I, I know it was it was a concern to everyone. and we've had we've had previous guests on that have told us. I mean, Toribio had told us you you trade for Corbin Burns, that solves your starting pitching problems. Well, Corbin Burns is not on the market if you believe what the Brewers the Cervecero's GM says. Okay. So we were all led to believe that Verlander to the Dodgers, it seemed was like a done deal, and then the Rangers had to come in and screw everything up. Now, yes, it's I like Carlos Rodon. I I do. But even I am like I'm not giving that dude 6 or 7 years. It just it, it seems like it, it it's too much. Now, what I'm concerned about with the starting pitching and I didn't even mention Gonsolin. I had mentioned uh to Casey like we really what we have is Urias, Kershaw and May. We we have Gonsolin. You have those guys, and Dave Roberts said this again at the winter meetings, that he expects Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller to give time. Pepio also to spend time in the major leagues. But we all know that the Dodgers put limits on those guys in terms of the innings. So it's like, realistically, how many starts can we get? So they're going to end up probably signing a starting pitcher along the lines of Tyler Anderson. Do you think Shelby Miller is who that guy is? Because I feel that's not enough. I mean, the guy only pitched 20 innings last year. And you don't even know Shelby Miller is a starter. I don't think he's a starter, right? He's going to be a reliever. So unless unless they're trying to convert him back to a starter, I mean, yeah, that's that's right now the starting pitching is what needs the help, right? You you know, you mentioned Gonsolin, you mentioned May. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get from May, right? He came, he comes back, he goes out again, you know, probably, he probably rushed a little bit with, you know, from the Tommy John and, and it affected his back. There's talk that Bueller wants to be back next year, but really, realistically, are you going to get Bueller back in September if he's trying to rush? He's coming back from a second Tommy John. Do you want him to come back in September and then risk getting hurt again? And, and then maybe that's it. He's done. You know, career-wise, I mean, so you can't even count on Walker Bueller next season. So, yeah, Rodon, I don't see them going six years either. So that that looks like that's going to be, you know, that's going to pass. So where they're going to find, they're going to have to go out in the trade market and who they pick up. Um, I mean, uh, I think Ross Dripping's available, right? <laughs> they probably shouldn't have <laughs> traded him for a bag of donuts in the first place, but. One of the things I appreciate Casey reminding me of, because I forget about this all the time, is the trade deadline. I feel because they don't, I mean, last year they built the all-star team going into the season. So you really, they didn't have any needs, right? But now when it's so obvious that they have needs, I want them to address it now, get it now. But he's right. They have, like, they can use Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone and Pepio as much as they want, but up until the trade line, deadline, who knows who's going to be available there? And then 
it'll be very interesting to me is is if they do give these guys the 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 ability to give them time to play the outmans the michael bushes and it turns out that maybe those guys aren't the superstars we all thought they were going to be could they then flip those guys for a pitcher during the season to put them up i i'm really looking at the regular season much differently now i'm just like just get in the fact that you had the Phillies and the Showpods and the NLCS both wild cards last year, to me, it's like, and unfortunately, it sucks. Uh, but it, unfortunately, it's kind of like basketball now, where it's just just get in. It doesn't matter what position you get in the playoffs; just get into the playoffs, and hopefully, you're playing your best baseball there. I no longer see the importance to be one of the top two seeds. Like you could sit there and say maybe being one of the top two seeds, at least in the National League, because it didn't pan out that way in the American League. But having a week off really didn't seem to help much. So maybe you're better off playing games that count right from the beginning. Uh, one of the other things that I, I wanted to address uh, that Casey and I and we discussed was the show pods throwing money around. Like last night, I have to admit, before the the arson judge uh, news broke, I thought to myself, I went to bed last night going, what if the show pods come out of nowhere? Because it seems like that's what they do, right? They just come out of nowhere. And it's like, they're going to have these long contracts. They already have a long contract with Machado. Now, mind you, Machado has an opt-out after next year. So, uh, depending on what kind of season he has, but they're going to, and they got to pay Soto. The real interesting thing, and you brought this up last time, is they already have a long contract with a guy who's not even playing for them right now. And the fact that they were trying to sign Turner, the fact that maybe they go after Correa or Bogarts, like, would you be surprised if Correa ends up with the Showpots? I mean, one of those guys wouldn't be surprising, but like, like you said, like I mentioned, like it is surprising that they're going after a shortstop, right? When you have Tatis for yeah. twelve, they signed him for twelve years. So, what are you going to do with Tatis? Are you going to put him out in an outfield spot? And if Tatis going to be happy playing in an outfield spot, or are they going to look to move him? But he's got this huge contract for twelve years to over three hundred million dollars as well. So it's like, to me, of course, question is where are they getting all this money, right? Well, the dude, the dude's a billionaire. The owner's a billionaire. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, going back to that point where you said um, Sportrack put out a, a a list of the highest payrolls right now. The Mets, the Mets are at three hundred million, and they're they're over the luxury tax. And I think that I saw another tweet saying right now they they'd be paying like eighty five million or something like that uh, of luxury tax and, and penalty. To Cohen, do you think that you think that's a that's a deter like uh, something that's going to deter him? Eighty five million. You think that's that's nothing, right? Just for for Cohen. Damn. That's like that's like spending twenty bucks. So the Mets, and this is what's dangerous now about the Mets. The Mets, they don't care. It's like Cohen doesn't care what he spends. You know, if he if he spends three hundred fifty million, four hundred million, I I see them being the most dangerous team right now as far as any 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 guy that's still available. You know, if they wanted to sign, I mean, they probably won't sign a Correa or a Bogarts, but like a Rodon. Um, so they're the most dangerous team. I mean, but like I said, the Padres too. Like, I'm not going to put it past them signing one of these uh, uh, free agent shortstops. But like I said, it, it, it just makes it interesting now what's going to happen with the Padres as far as what they do with like guys like Tatis. 
Yeah, I really wonder if are they trying to send uh, 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 are they trying to send that these a message? Like, do you think even if if they don't sign Korea, if they don't sign Bogarts, is this really just more to like, hey, Tatis, get your stuff together? Yeah, I mean, if you're Tatis, you, you got to wonder, like, why are they looking at Turner, right? That's my first question. If I'm if I'm Tatis, I'm like, why are they even making an off, a contract offer to, to trade Turner, right, if I'm your shortstop? So, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely he knows he's got to come back and, you know, clean up whatever issues he has, and he has to come out and, and fulfill that contract. You know, because right now it seems to me like he's kind of – he's there, but he's kind of like, you know, in, in the background. They, they don't care what, what they – if they, they get – if they see something that they can improve their team, they don't care what's gonna, what, what they're going to have to do with Tatis. I guess they'll figure it out later, kind of like we've seen with the Dodgers. Like, hey, if we can get this piece and we'll figure it out later, like how things are going to pan out. So I think that's kind of the Padres thinking right now as they're going in these winter meetings. Yeah, that that's why those long contracts, man. I mean, for them to already been start to even contemplate pivoting from Tatis, where it's like you haven't even really started paying him all that money. But maybe it's the injuries that he has. Maybe they just think we need to put him on the outfield. So. Now's a perfect time. We have a sh shortstops available, young shortstops that we won't have to worry about. Maybe now is the time to go ahead and move that these. But I think that is very interesting. Um, the fact that they're throwing money the way they are. I mean, for the longest time, you know, the Giants were our rival. And I know a lot of people don't think the Padres are a rival. But this might end up being the, like the Yankees and the Red Sox, but on the West Coast. So I, I, I think there is a little bit of skepticism, though. Still, people be like, okay, the the show pods are throwing money around now, but are they going to continue to operate this way? Is this something that you're going to see from them being high spenders, having a payroll of over two hundred million dollars? And honestly, to tell you the truth, as much as it makes you a little nervous, I think this is a good thing because it applies pressure to the Dodgers. It tells the Dodgers, you guys can't just lay back on your laurels. You guys have to be competitive. You need to go ahead and, and make sure because the show pods are building something down there. And if you don't do anything about it, they might end up taking over the division they might end up being the ones who win it every year so i i think it's a very good thing uh, i want real, to address real, go real ahead quick, like that's one of the things i was thinking like with judge like you know judge you know it's reported right they offered him a 400 million dollars right yeah and he, tur he turned that down to go back to the yankees so like nine years when i think about it okay maybe judge is thinking okay nine years you figure you know what the yankees are probably going to be in competitive for nine years right you know the track record they're going to be competitive for nine years do you really know that with the padres like they're going to be competitive you know right now next couple of seasons but once once some of these uh contracts start coming off the books like are they going to rebuild after that like so you know six seven eight years down the road are they still going to be competitive we don't know that right team like the dodgers we know they're going to, they've been competitive for the last 10 seasons we spoke to stan casting we know he doesn't know what the team's going to look like in three, four years, but he knows that the team's going to be competitive. So we know that from teams like, you know, Yankees, Dodgers. So it kind of makes more – a long-term contract does make more sense. But, you know, as we know, the Dodgers don't really do that except right now with, with Mookie Betts and, what, six years to Freeman. 
Right. And so I want to I want to pivot to the Cody Bellinger thing. And and Casey had mentioned there that Bellinger was basically betting on himself. I I want to talk about the reaction. I I get it that Bellinger was was a favorite of a lot of people. But it also just feels a little disingenuous to me because I know there were a lot of Dodger fans that were like, dude, we got to move on from this guy. So to see everybody upset that Bellinger's gone, I I get it. But at the same time, it, it, it really it's head scratching to me that we don't acknowledge that for two and a half years now, this dude has not been good. So it's it's like you at how are you guys going to criticize Friedman for not doing anything about it? And at the same time, there there is, I saw a comment on Twitter because I don't know if you saw the pictures that uh, he got into some swing doctor or something like that. They were showing video of him. Uh, where was it? Like in Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I see these comments on social media going, why did he wait until now to do that? Why didn't he do that during the two and a half years? I, you know, hopefully for his sake, I, I hope he does turn it around in, in Chicago. Um, but the fact it's been two and a half years and it just seems that sometimes guys can't get that back and you end up eventually, this is who I am. I, I remember the days when Jock Peterson was looked at as he's going to be a stud and that's the reason why we traded Matt Kemp away. And then Jock Peterson is a guy who only played he was kind of a platoon player where he only played against right-handed pitching. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Cody is because you look at it, right? He's so young, right? With the 20, 27, right? 28. He won the MVP rookie of the year. He had so many big moments with the Dodgers, right? When you look back at the Dodgers, you know, since 17, right? When you look back at the playoff, the big playoff moments are there. Cody Bellinger is right stuck in the middle of all those, right? You know, Dodgers don't win the World Series. They, you can absolutely say Dodgers do not win the World Series in 2020 without Cody Bellinger. They might not even make it to the World Series without Cody Bellinger if he doesn't hit that home run against Atlanta, right, to, to get him over that being down 3-1. So just when you put all that, like, man, how can you get rid of Cody Bellinger, right? Like, just because like I said the youth, what he's done, what he brings to the table. But, yeah, he hasn't been that person for the last two and a half years. He's just a glove. Now, will he get that back in Chicago? And that now that that comes in like, what if he goes to Chicago and he absolutely rakes, right? And and he becomes Cody Bellinger again. People are going to be pissed, right? Oh yeah. But it's like you don't you don't know, and and you know, hopefully he he turns it around, you know, and and it's going to hurt us if if he does go out there and he and he and he rakes and he puts himself in the position for like you know a eight nine year deal next year. But you know, it's as a GM like. Yeah, you had to non-tender him. You just couldn't pay him twenty million dollars. I mean, he's getting seventeen from the Cubs. Yeah, and you know they're hoping for the best, right? I mean, if they know they're going to get a good glove, but what's going to come from the bat? You know, we'll see. And if that happens, if Cody Bellinger ends up being having a monster season for the Cubs, the Dodgers should be pissed. But uh, Dodger fans, excuse me, should be pissed. But they should be pissed at Cody Bellinger. They should not be pissed at Andrew Friedman or the Dodgers organization because the Dodgers organization bent over backwards to give this dude opportunities. And look, it it happens. Maybe it has a lot to do with his injuries. Maybe he wasn't healthy, and that's why he couldn't produce. Maybe next year he ends up being fully healthy. 
But at the same time, I, I mean, I don't know how many times I heard these comments in the playoffs. What is this guy doing out there? You know, people blaming Bellinger for not coming up with a big hit. I mean, this this is a dude, like you said, who was an MVP, who was hitting ninth. So yeah. it's it's like, this is what you guys wanted. And now when it happens, everybody's like, oh, I can't believe the Dodgers let Bellinger go. And it's just like, look, we can't. I, I guess what you can do is this. You can acknowledge his contributions in the past because you're absolutely right. Without him, the Dodgers don't win that 2020 World Series. You acknowledge the accomplishments he did at the past. But I think you also can do this at the same time. Acknowledge it is time to move forward. It has been two and a half years. He is not that guy. I mean, Cody, if he wanted to, he could have said, you know what? I get the Dodgers on 10 of me. I haven't been who I've who I've been, but you know what? I want to Dodgers drafted me. They, they made me into the player who I am. I could stay here at a lesser amount, make things right, bet on myself, right? As a Dodger, go out there and perform and show that I could still do it. Right. He could easily have done that. Right. But he chose, you know what? I'm going to leave, you know, it's probably for that thing. I'm going to leave fresh start somewhere else. Um, and, and see what I could do. Right. You know, and, and, and bet on myself somewhere else to try and get a, a larger deal. And that's that's what he ended up doing. Now, we we talk about the pressure, like you know maybe there was more pressure here in LA, but I still think he's going to have a lot of pressure in Chicago, right? Because he's on a one year deal, going into free agency again, and he needs to get back to somewhat of a Cody Bellinger is if he's looking for a, a payday. So it's still going to be you know, a lot of pressure for him even in Chicago. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to hold him leaving. I'm not going to hold that against him because, as I said. The Dodgers not playing him in the postseason, I don't know how you come back from that. And also, if someone's willing to pay you $17 million, I know for me, that would be really hard for me to turn it down. And then the other thing is, is and we've talked about this with Tyler Anderson, we can mention it with Andrew Heaney. Andrew Heaney taking the deal from the Rangers. Look, Tyler Anderson took three years to go play with the Angels. He could have taken one year with the Dodgers, and we've seen that the people who play, you play for the Dodgers, you end up getting paid. Ask Corey Seager. Ask anybody who's played shortstop for the Dodgers. Trey Turner, you end up getting paid. I think Tyler Anderson maybe had some doubts that he could replicate what he did last year, this year again. So he's going to take the $39 million that they gave him. I'm sure Andrew Heaney was like, I'm not going to roll the dice on one more year. Yeah, you look at his numbers, he had an ERA of over three. But in the second half, he didn't look like the same pitcher at the first half. The injuries might have, you know, caught up with him. But that's another thing. That guy doesn't seem like he can stay healthy, which is unfortunate for him. Maybe Cody Bellinger himself has some doubts that he can ever go back to being that MVP, that rookie of the year. And that's why he took $17 million dollars. From the Cubs. It's a smaller stadium, Wrigley Field. It might pad his numbers. I mean, we saw Jock go into the Cubs, and then he ended up getting traded to the Braves, and he ended up winning the World Series. So maybe the Cubs are a good luck charm. But I, I found that really interesting. Real quickly, before we wrap things up, I do want to go over two more things with you that we discussed with Casey. I was very surprised that he mentioned that the Phillies are more of a threat of stealing Justin Turner than the Mets. I did not see that coming. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard that. Um, the team I have heard is the another team in the East is the Marlins. The I Marlins seem that they they'd be interested in bringing in 
bringing him in as a veteran presence, you know, um, I kind of don't see him a fit with the Phillies though, because don't, don't they have Bohm? They have Bohm at third, right? Right, uh, they do. So they have Bohm at third, and then, and that's uh, if they get him to play first base. That's kind of you know he doesn't really play that much first base. He has played it in the past, but you know unless it's going to be more of a DH role, um, and it's kind of the same thing, men, kind of mentoring, um, mentoring some of the younger guys. Um, I still think LA is probably the place for him, but still, but hearing him in a couple of interviews that he's done, and then hearing Friedman the way they talk about it, it doesn't sound like it's, you know, it's like a, you know, it's it's a hundred percent, you know, it's it's kind of iffy. I mean, I think right now there's a bigger chance that he doesn't come back that he that he doesn't come back than he does come back. Well, I, what I think, when what we've seen with Andrew Friedman is he likes to wait things out. So he's going to get a player on his price, not on someone else's price. I mean, Freddie Freeman last year was a Dodger in March. The year before, Mookie, I mean, when Mookie came, it was in February. So he's probably waiting out to see what Justin Turner gets offered from other, you know, other teams. And if they go ahead and overpay for Justin Turner, yeah, Andrew Freeman would be like, hey, good for you, man. Go ahead and take that money. But if Andrew Freeman can sign Justin Turner for what he wants to sign Justin Turner for, hey, I, you can't blame him. Yes, I think it would just suck because that is a guy who, you know, you think think of him as a Dodger. He's a Dodger, and you don't want to see him playing for for another team. You don't want to see him in a, it's look the same things that we said about Cody Bellinger. You can say about Justin Turner, but to me, at least Justin Turner was much was productive, and you also the the presence in the in the locker room. I mean, there there is something about that veteran presence uh, with Justin Turner. Um, did, real, real, go ahead. I, I tweeted it out earlier today. I mean, it just makes you realize how baseball is such a business, right? It's just like yep. any other business, right? Getting a new job and moving on to something else. But it makes you kind of respect and appreciate what Clayton Kershaw has done for the Dodgers, being with the Dodgers for so long. You know, you see now, you know, we see, you know, you know, Bellinger leave, you know, we see Heaney leave, Anderson, you know, they weren't there as long, but Kershaw has been there, done everything, a Hall of Fame career with the Dodgers, and still, you know, he's coming back again. You know, and hopefully, you know, he plays his entire career with the Dodgers, something that is very rare in the game today, right? That, you know, you see it around the league. Guys just moving on, moving on to something new. But you got to appreciate what Clinton Kershaw has done for the Dodgers, staying with that one team, and hopefully, you know, he ends up, you know, staying with the Dodgers entire, his entire career. Yeah, but, I mean, look, that's that's reserved to, to Hall of Famers, man. There is a very rare elite. The reason why he's been with one team is because that the dude is the best. And, you know, as much as I love Justin Turner, Justin Turner's not a Hall of Famer. The guys who have played with one team their whole career, for the most part, have been Hall of Famers, and especially in baseball. Tony Gwynn, Cal Ripken, you know, in basketball, Kobe, you know, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, these are Hall of Famers. So that kind of stuff, being as good as you are and for as long as you've been, that is kind of reserved. But you're right. I mean, he could have gone to Texas, and it looks like he still might have a possibility. When it, he said it, he would only play with two teams. Two teams. Yeah. So there is still a possibility he may end up, you know, end his career in with the Rangers. That that would be a shame, though, still, to, to see him go play it one year. It, it, it would. It, but – 
he's always going to be a Dodger. He's always going to be viewed, and if Justin Turner ends up leaving, he's always going to be viewed as a Dodger. Uh, I want to end the show with uh, what did you think of Dave Roberts' comments? I know Casey said he didn't hear them. Did you hear his comments about, and this is something actually that you have been saying for a while, that they had lacked intensity in that dugout. Do you think, I mean, do you want to hear that coming out of Dave Roberts' mouth? I mean, you don't want to hear it, but like I said, you know, we've we've said this all the time when they're up in San Diego, they're playing the Padres, you know, the the fans get into it. I think even, you know, they're, they're, they get more intense even than maybe in the LA fans do, like when they're playing a home game here, the fans get into it. I think that gets into the Padres players. They get into it. They're, they're intense. You know, they get a, they get a single or they do something. They're out of the dugout. They're like running up and down, you know, the dugout, they're, they're super intense. You don't see that from the Dodgers. And, and, and I think Robert's mentioned this. You, you can't expect that from your players if they're not really like that, right? You know, the, no. you, don't, you, don't, you don't expect a Max Muncy running and jumping up and down, Freddie Freeman, right? These guys are all more kind of calm, cool, collected. Guys. You know, they're not Manny Machado. We know how Manny Machado is. He's just very out there, right? You know, pro far, he's very out there, right? You know, he... You know, he gets a single and he likes bat flipping, right? Or, or some of those guys, they're the way they are. Their their character, it's not the same. But yeah, you see that intensity from the Padres side, just because of the the type of uh, player that they have for the Dodgers. Um, does it help in the game? Like, obviously, right? Is it, is it going to help? Like, is your you know because you have that? Is your skill going to be better than that guy? Is you know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. In 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 that environment, yeah. I mean, I, I think it, it does kind of matter. Like I said, were they really up to it? Was was Dave Roberts getting his best out of his players in that situation? Where were they coming in like, hey, it's just another game, you know? Right? Was the was the pressure on? You know, we didn't really see that right at the end. Like Dodgers, kind of like, okay, we lost. We'll be back out tomorrow. They, did they really feel that pressure? You know. I, I am curious. It, it would have been a follow-up, and who knows if we ever get an answer to this question uh, when he made that comment. And maybe someone did ask him that, but my next question would have been, did you address that with the team during the series? Because he might have. He might have said, hey, man, you guys... I mean, look, he's not Lasorda where you, you would have seen that Lasorda's, you know, yelling at all his players, you know. But I am curious to see if Robert said to them, hey, man, you guys need to, you know... Bring up the energy and stuff like that. And like you said, maybe it's just not in this group, you know, and that and that's something I think uh, I think I want to I want to visit in future episodes in the terms of we are seeing a lot of turnover with this team. If we do see new guys with a different kind of energy, is that going to end up making a difference? Uh, that's stuff that I don't know, but that's going to do it for, for this episode. Uh, once again, we want to thank our guest, uh, Casey Stern, check out unfiltered with Casey Stern. He's a, he's a great listen. Uh, and once again, this episode of the bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by bet online where the game starts. You have sido su servidor Juan Ramirez con mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. Thank you for listening to believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.